Hello, Michelle Laurie here, and as promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane, and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio, or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so you know we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian True Crime Live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This is a true crime podcast, as the title suggests. So please consider this your warning, that it's not suitable for children, and it probably will contain content that may be triggering to some people. Also, it's an Australian true crime podcast, so Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners should be aware it may contain the voices of deceased people. The producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. Abraham Papo's death occurred against a sordid backdrop. The world of human trafficking, debt bondage and sexual servitude. 
His girlfriend had been working at this brothel. She had rung him to say she'd been moved to Sydney and was being physically abused. She had begged him to help her. Do you think Abraham was going to try to save her? Definitely. Abraham Papo walked into the brothel to confront the owner. Someone grabbed a tire lever. There was a fight and the 27-year-old was bashed to death. Abraham Papo died in his car trying to get away. Abraham Papo's killer, known as Kevin a convicted criminal and veteran of the sex trade who worked at the brothel claimed it was self-defence. Papo's family doesn't believe it. He was silenced. He was murdered. Brutally, brutally killed. That's a Four Corners story from 2009. Just after the not guilty verdict was delivered in a murder trial over the death of Abraham Papo. We heard his mother, Deanna Papo, speaking at the end there. The underlying story of the organised crime syndicates that were trafficking young Asian women into Australia for the purposes of sexual exploitation was exposed by crime reporter for The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald, Nick McKenzie, when he was investigating the motive for Abraham Papo's murder. Nick, you will remember, is the man who first wrote about allegations of war crimes against Ben Robert Smith and ultimately ended up fighting a five-year battle over his reporting, which he won earlier this year. You can read all about it in his book, Crossing the Line. Nick is still investigating those sex trafficking syndicates, and his work is highlighted in a new original documentary on the Stan streaming service. It's called Trafficked. The doco follows Nick as he travels from Australia to South Korea and to the UK, following the brazen trail of networks making millions of dollars from the misery of enslaved young women. And none of it would be possible without the customers, everyday Australian men. It's about the trafficking, sex trafficking, so the trafficking of largely women from Asia uh, into Australia, into our sex industry. We, we set out to ask the question, is it happening? If it is happening, what's the scale? How does it work? Who's involved? But the genesis of it all was actually this investigation I did many, many years ago. Uh, and it's a crazy story of it involving an alleged murder of, of a guy who fell in love with a, a sex worker, which then opened up an investigation into trafficking itself. And this network of uh, Asian organised crime figures involved in this really, really seedy, horrible world of exploitation and sex and dirty money. So really picking up from that investigation that started all those years ago to say, are these networks still here? Is this still going on? And if it is, why and how? And can we stop it? And how long has it been going on? Because I, I was working as a receptionist in brothels in the 90s. When you're a receptionist, they're always trying to get you to go and work in different brothels. You know, you're always getting these phone calls or someone's, a girl says, oh, my boss wants to meet you. And Anyway, so someone once asked me to go and meet them in a pub in Melbourne. And when I got there, there was a, a lady there and they were trying to get me to go and work in their brothel. Luckily, I didn't. Maybe two months later, that brothel was busted for having illegal girls from Asia working there. It was a big story in the age. So this would be late 90s. This was a sexual uh, trafficking, sexual slavery story. So how long has this been going on in Australia? Well, we, for many years, and we, we know from the police investigations into this sort of stuff, there's been significant investigations that led to prosecutions in 2006, 2012, 2014. 
when it comes to those actual prosecutions, we're not talking about the whole sex industry. Uh, and, and there can be absolutely empowered people working in the sex industry. We're talking about a corner of the sex industry that's controlled by organised crime where exploitation occurs. That's the corner that we're looking at. Well, it's highly regulated. That's the thing. In Melbourne, even in the 90s, the sex industry was so highly regulated. I had to have a licence to be a receptionist. It had to be reviewed and renewed every six months. People from the, I can't remember what squad it was called in those days, could come through a brothel at any moment and check my licence, check the girls, uh, check every inch of the brothel, make sure there was no alcohol on the premises and all of that stuff. So I guess that's why, as naive as I was, I was in my 20s, I was shocked that this could be happening in a building in Melbourne. I, I disagree that's highly regulated. And there's a big debate around um, decriminalisation, etc. cetera. Uh, ultimately, right now, as we speak, there is a senior triad organised crime figure who's running a legal brothel. He has a licence to do so. And he's been linked to human trafficking, sex trafficking, money laundering, really serious organised crime. And his brothels, it's a few k's from where I sit today, and I've got no idea what's going on in there, but we can suspect probably um, there are some terrible things going on in there. So I mean, the, the regulation has been really, really poor. And the answer may not lie in regulation. Obviously, those who push for decriminalisation say, you know, we've, we've got to decriminalise this, we've got to get it out of the shadows, we've got to empower sex workers. And I agree with them. At, at the end of the day, it's about making sure if you want to work in, in the sex work industry, you get paid a proper wage for your work and you don't get exploited. You don't work seven days a week. You don't work 12 hours a day. You don't have to have sex with people without wearing condoms, all that sort of stuff. That's the sort of conduct that goes on in this dark corner of the sex industry. Been going on for years, I'm sure, and is going on today. Yeah, because in the places that I was working, it was very much, yeah, the girls sort of got their money and then handed a cut to me as the representative of the brothel. And when I say regulated, I guess, yeah, I was working in, in those kinds of places, luckily. And certainly girls would come to work for us who would work, who had worked in places where they'd had their passports taken from them. They had to see a certain number of clients for free. That was the deal before they got to make any money because that was, yeah. What, what sort of conditions are sex workers working in in Melbourne? We, we interviewed a woman, a, a South Korean woman in South Korea as part of this documentary who'd worked in a Melbourne brothel. Uh, and she described, you know, shocking conditions, psychologically sort of destroying conditions. So the mental anguish that she, she suffered and sometimes working seven days a week having to service clients that she did not want to be with. I mean, there's a right of a sex worker is to deny a client if they're Absolutely, on yeah. drugs, if they're violent, if they want to uh, engage in behaviour that puts your health and safety at risk. There was no option that this woman had to deny that or, or say no thanks. She was effectively trapped through fear and coercion and she was working for organised crime. Her boss was sent to jail for running a, an organised crime syndicate in the end. And the scary thing is this syndicate, I mean, that the AFP, the federal police, talked about, I think, well over 100 women, uh, several hundreds of women who'd gone through the syndicate's control. And that's what we know about. The syndicate members are still running today. This is after some of them went to jail. So I, I think we're talking about many thousands of women who may have come from Asia and in some way been exploited. And, and when I say about exploitation, you don't need to be chained to a wall no. to have your rights undermined. Uh, if you're getting ripped off, if, if if the bulk of your money or a vast amount of your money that you're earning is going to the pocket of a, of a crime boss, if you're getting being told or there's an expectation you have to service this many clients, regardless of health and safety, if your ability to say no uh, and to choose 
uh, with whom you have sex with as part of your job as a sex worker, if that's impinged, then that's a problem. And that is going on uh, today. And not just in Asian organised crime controlled sex work uh, places. I mean, there's one very, very well-known licensed legal brothel in Victoria right now in Melbourne. It's it's a, it's extremely prominent. And I've had w- women who work there say, this is run by organised crime. We had, there is pressure on, on the girls to do drugs, to, to work in unsafe conditions, and there is a threat of violence that hangs over them. I know this brothel has been looked at by the Federal Police for human trafficking. Uh, it's obviously a, a, a grim place. And again, it's, it's happening happening right now. Another big issue Nick McKenzie taps into in the Stan documentary Trafficked is visa fraud. While in South Korea, Nick teamed up with a local journalist, Ji Yoon, who posed as a young woman interested in coming to Australia to work in the sex industry. Together, they contacted a local fixer known to organise student visas for women entering Australia to work for the industry syndicates. They met several times in public places, and the man explains to Ji Yoon that he'll enrol her in a course in Melbourne that she'll never attend, which is really simple and what they always do. Everything's going very well until Nick enters the cafe and joins the conversation. Excuse me, can I just interrupt? I'm Nick McKenzie from the Australian Media. We know you've been helping women come to Australia from Korea working for a sex syndicate, they're being abused, no, they're no, being trafficked. No, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. No, no. Many, many women. Why do you do this? No, 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 no. Why are you recording this? Don't talk for... We, we can talk outside, we talk outside, yeah. All these women you bring to Australia, you know they're being, ex- you know they're being exploited. For his part, the fixer eventually explains that he does know the people Nick is talking about in Melbourne, but he has no idea what business they're in or what happens to the young women after he organises their visas. It's so hard to believe. I often repeat this statistic that there are more slaves in the world today than there ever have been before. And the, the slaves that I'm talking about are people working across the world in lots of industries, in the building industry, in lots of countries. And this is sexual slavery, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we, we look at the sex industry, well, I look at the sex industry as one of a number of industries where foreign labour is uh, sought because foreign workers can be treated as a, as a subclass, an underclass. They don't know how to exercise their rights. There, added to that, there is a demand for Asian women amongst some heartless Australian men who don't care about whether the person that they're paying to have sex with is getting all that money and, and getting enough money and getting looked after, despite red flags that, that that might not be happening. But, you know, it's happening in convenience stores, it's happening in, in farms, it's happening in factories, it's happening in sex workplaces where foreign workers, I mean, we looked at both Asian workers and um, workers from South America, uh, they, they can be imported here and used as cheap labour and it's disgusting and not enough has been done to stop it happening. If you aren't a Stan subscriber, you can take advantage of their 30-day free trial to watch Trafficked because it's available right now. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. 
Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As part of his investigation, journalist Nick McKenzie sat down with Detective Inspector Jane Crossling from the Australian Federal Police's Human Exploitation Unit. The Queensland Police told us that there were women subjected to potential trafficking, certainly coercive and unpleasant conditions, being moved like cattle around the country. Is that accord with your knowledge? Yes, we are hearing those sorts of claims. And one of the challenges that we have from a law enforcement perspective is that we actually need those victims to, to come forward. In the absence of those victims themselves coming forward, and there's a whole range of reasons why they might not, then we are largely in the dark when it comes to this crime type. What do the latest stats tell us about the incidence of human trafficking in Australia? So we are really upfront about the fact that it is a largely hidden crime. We believe that trafficking will continue and it'll, it'll continue to rise. So we are seeing you know, that post-February um, when the borders did open, we are definitely seeing an uptick in, in uh, trafficking into Australia. If the incidence of trafficking is on the rise, if it's happening, why is the AFP's rate of prosecution of human traffickers so miserly? That's a complex question. <laughs> it's. Let me just get in my thoughts. We have to meet a fairly high threshold so that we have to ensure that our briefs of evidence contain enough evidence to have a successful prosecution. So there are some challenges in getting enough of that evidence. Some of it might be that we don't actually have a victim that's on board. So that, that's a genuine challenge. Would it concern you if there was a trafficking boss known to various agencies with criminal records up to his old tricks sitting here doing the same old thing? Yeah, we probably want to know about that and see what action we can take as a result. What do you say to those Australian men who turn a blind eye and use services where there's lots of indicators of trafficking, of misery, of exploitation? It certainly worries us how much appetite there is for using these sorts of services of, of exploited women. That's problematic for all of Australia. What does it say about us? <sighs> I don't want to say that, sorry. <laughs> yeah. 
the good thing about the documentary and what we exposed uh, is that it's led to inquiries. And Christine Nixon, the former chief cop of Victoria, said this is happening. She went and looked at the cases. She went and looked at the police intelligence. She spoke to law enforcement officials and said the system needs to change to give these people better rights to protect or stop organised crime from exploiting vulnerable workers and to, to make sure that the most vulnerable people in our society um, aren't being exploited in, you know, there's no worse exploitation than than that involving, I think, you know, the intimate act of sex. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. Now I'm, I'm remembering back that long ago in the 90s, definitely clients would definitely come looking for, as they'd say, Asian girls. And I would hear, they would tell me themselves that, oh, in this, in other places, you know, they've got Asians who'll do it without condoms, who'll do this and that and won't charge extra, who'll do, why don't you have that? You should have that here. So it was definitely a service, I would say, inverted commas, that they expected a brothel to offer. And why is it taking this long? Why why is it still happening? How is it still happening? Now I'm thinking, you know, as the dumb old receptionist sitting there, I often used to think I'm the only person in the building paying tax. I knew that. But why am I thinking, oh, it's highly regulated. I've got to have a license and I've got to do all this and I've got to make sure there's no alcohol and all this on the premises. Why is it so hard to crack down on these organisations and on on these premises that you know about? Well, the the police investigate sex trafficking, say, very difficult for victims to speak up. Number one, they they fear the syndicates who control them. But they can go through there anytime they want. They can knock on the door tonight at 11 o'clock and just go through the joint and say, okay, shut the door. We're in here now. Where's everyone's Who's who? The police can't. I mean, the number. The, the police can't easily raid somewhere. I mean, you need to have a basis to, to raid a, a a premises. But even if you do, what you get is is, and the police experience is a, a lot of well, in some of these places where it's suspected trafficking goes on. Asian women who don't speak the language, who fear they they may fear the syndicate. They may fear the police more. They feel like if they speak up in their countries, police aren't friends. They aren't. They aren't. They aren't law enforcers. That they're often police are corrupt. So they worry about that. They worry about if they speak up, their illegal visa situation will be exposed. They'll be deported. Uh, their families might be targeted back in their home countries. There's a whole range of reasons why you wouldn't want to assist law enforcement if you are in that situation. But also, there's a, a is it a priority for law enforcement? Now, the AFP say it is. But from my experience, there's still not enough resources going in at a state and federal level and a societal level to protect the rights of people who might be exposed to exploitation in the sex industry. And, and I'm not saying that law enforcement's the answer. I'm not saying that more laws or, or uh, criminalisation is the answer, quite to the contrary. But I think what we need to be doing is saying, how, how do we make sure that if you are being exploited, you can regain power, you cannot be exploited, and if there are people, crime bosses doing the exploiting, that they're held to account. And one of the great tragedies is there's a history of, especially with some state police forces, of charging the women with working you know, in in Queensland, there's a, if you're, I think there's more than two women working in a uh, unlicensed premises, that's constituted as a legal brothel and, and those women can be charged and if they don't have the proper visa status, they can be deported. But hang on, who's actually pulling the strings? And there's syndicates behind these operations where there's dozens and dozens of women working, you know, two up in motels or three or four in a motel or spread across Australia. One Queensland detective said they were moved around like cattle but had no real agency. So who's the syndicate behind them? They're, they should, they're the crooks. They're the ones that should be targeted, not the, not the workers. Uh, and unfortunately, there's been an imbalance in policing around this. Uh, and I mean, the other thing is, does our society care about foreign workers? 
be they working on a fruit farm or in a sex work shop. That's right. Or on the cane fields or whatever. whatever. Yeah. Or do we have a acceptance that there is a, a lower class of person in Australia who'll do the do the, the menial work in some industries or or be in the sex work industry? We don't care about them. And I think that that lack of care, that lack of compassion drives an indifference across our society in law enforcement, in government, and so you know, not not enough is being done to help help these people. I think you're right. I think you're raising a very, very, uh, a huge issue, a huge cultural issue that's developed in Australia is this um, uh, invisible class. I'm going to use the word class of people in Australia, this service class. And I think it became really visible during COVID when all of a sudden, you know, people are complaining, I can't get an Uber. I can't get my Uber Eats delivered. I can't get my lawn mode. I can't get all these services that we were relying on where people weren't coming to Australia, couldn't come to Australia or had gone home to their home countries or whatever. Students weren't here. And suddenly we noticed that a lot of people weren't here who were here, who we were relying on. And this, in a way, has a lot of similarities to the work that you did on the Ben Robert Smith case, which is this um, idea that people are different. Some people are different to others and some people are more important than others and some people count and some people don't. And yeah, this is really a story about about that, isn't it? About it's like, what kind of culture do we want to be? What kind of country do we want to be? If if this is not a priority, that we have slaves, sexual slaves in our country, and people making huge businesses out of that, if that's not a priority. Then who are we? That's right. One of the unpleasant things that I encountered is to understand or try to understand, try to research this industry and to understand if there was exploitation occurring. We went online and looked at these forums, there's some Chinese language forums and there's some English language forums used by men who seek out Asian sex workers and pass sort of intel amongst themselves as to what the best prices are, what the best workers are. And the way that women are described in in those forums is absolutely shocking. And you realise there is a, a customer out there, a demand, a person who's willing to basically treat women like meat. There is a demand, and then the organised crime supplies, they, they meet that demand. I mean, that's happening. Demand supply drives all these underground economies, be it in you know, whatever, any, any industry that we can think of. Uh, and it's big. It's a big industry. And I think the real question is how big is it? And unfortunately, there's very little quality data, and there's lots of vested interest and political campaigns behind them. And there is groups who say there's trafficking, and it's happening at a, at a huge scale, and, and we've got a... And their answer to that, for instance, is to criminalise the purchase of sex work. So in some, the Nordic so the Nordic model involves if a man spends money on a sex worker, that's an offence. And they say, we can let's, let's criminalise the purchase of, of sex. And then there's groups that say, there's an absolute beat up. You're trying to make every sex worker a criminal. You're trying to push the sex work industry into the taboo region uh, to make it a, a dodgy, dirty place where really we, we should be focusing on workers' rights. Yeah, absolutely. It's the oldest occupation in the world. It's that, never going right. anywhere. And there is a place for it within social services, you know. There is a place for sex work and, and um, shaming it doesn't go anywhere. But those advocates also pretend that there's no organised crime in the sex industry and they say that trafficking is a beat-up and That's it's not right. happening. And the figures from the AFP and the United Nations and uh, investigations by journalists like me are all beat-ups and we are seeing... 
what we want to see and we are we are blowing it out of proportion and we we are fiddling with data and, and now I don't agree with that either I think that's them sticking their head in the sand for political purposes and 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 so the truth lies lies somewhere in this mess of argument and counter argument and politics but one thing we all agree on is this I'm sure you know if you want to be a sex worker you need to get paid properly and you need to have your rights protected and you need not to not to be treated as an object and you need to be respected. And you need safety and what this is also doing is I was always an advocate for brothels because I thought it it was a safe environment ideally in its ideal form and now we have so many sex workers working in their own homes or escorting, advertising themselves and going to meet clients in their homes which I think is a really unsafe way to work. So, you know, we're sort of in, of course, an extreme environment now. So sex worker safety is is got to be paramount. That's right. It's, it's lots of sex workers. I mean, I've, I've I've spoken to as many as I can to try to understand the industry. Would say, well, hang on, no, no, it's the brothels that are unsafe. That's what I mean. Yeah, I, in an ideal situation, I think that's a safe environment. But obviously, this is not an ideal world. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's worth touching on the story where, which is the genesis for all, for my interest in this area, which, as I say, was this alleged murder. It's, a, it's an insane story. Back uh, over 10 years ago, uh, thereabouts, a, a Melbourne guy, he was 26, 27, his name was Abraham Papo, lived out in Vermont in the suburbs in Melbourne and f- fell in love with a Korean sex worker. And she was working in a network of brothels controlled by the triads, by China's organised crime and Korean organised crime. Uh, and she said to him, I'm being trapped, I'm being effectively kidnapped, I'm being told to do things I don't want to do, I need help. And he tried to save her, she'd been moved into state against her will, that's what he thought, and he went to a brothel to confront a guy who had a track record record as in the underground sex industry, had been accused of human trafficking, sex trafficking in the past, was allegedly an organised crime figure, I've got no doubt about his involvement and links, deep links to organised crime and to human trafficking. There was a confrontation between Abraham Papo and this guy. Abraham Papo was killed. A murder investigation begins and suddenly from that there's all this evidence of human trafficking and links to crime syndicates. Uh, And ultimately no one's ever convicted for this man's death but nor is anybody really convicted for the the crimes that the death suggests are occurring, the exploitation of, of women. Abraham Papo's family are still trying to come to terms with his death and Nick visited his brother David for the Stan documentary, Trafficked. David, in fact, the whole Papo family are obviously massively traumatised from the killing. Bad shit went on back then. A man lost his life. A woman was probably human traffic, but the crooks got away with it. It's one of the blessings of this job. You get to meet really good people and brave people. I mean, we're asking him to speak out about an organised crime gang. He's a bloke who lives in the suburbs with a wife and a kid. It's no small thing for him. I've got the backing of a big company behind me, keep me safe. So for him to speak up, be willing to go on camera and confront this stuff, that's absolutely gutsy. Unfortunately, Nick had a fairly devastating update for David Papo about the current activities of Kevin, the man who was found not guilty of murdering his brother Abraham in 2009. The last few weeks, as weird as my job sometimes is, I've been sitting outside some brothels, the brothels that the same syndicate run, trying to find evidence of human trafficking. I'm going to show you something. You recognise it? Yeah. Like, I was shocked. 
he's running a legal licensed brothel. I find it inexplicable. Um, I mean, for me, it's just nothing, nothing changes. He's driving an expensive Audi. His life goes on uh, and he's doing exactly the same thing. And the state, the powers that be, don't seem to be able to stop it. Don't seem to be able to or don't want to or not interested. I've got nothing wrong with a guy going to a brothel, but to know that there's women out there that aren't doing this at their own free will is... It's really sad. You know, we asked ourselves the question, the players behind those syndicates linked to this exploitation, linked to this, what was alleged murder? Yeah, no conviction, but that was, it was a shocking death of a young Melbourne man trying to help somebody. Behind all that, are these syndicates still operating? And right now, today, they are. They are running legal brothels in Melbourne. They are involved in, in the importation of women from Korea, from Japan, today. The AFP raided a brothel uh, recently, linked to this network, after getting intelligence that Japanese women had been brought here and mistreated. And the fact that it's going on today, that these syndicates still retain legal brothel licences, I find shocking, stunning, and an indictment on the system. Well, this is it. I find it shocking because I remember the story I told you about would, would have been 1997 and everyone was outraged, scandalised, and obviously it meant nothing. It was one story, one brothel, one shut down, and no doubt those people, you know, probably opened another one next door and that was that and probably still working. Yeah, the, part of the the aim is to get people to care and, and uh, you know, in telling mm. this documentary, we really we wanted to find a sex worker who'd been trafficked to tell their story. For obvious reason, someone who's been through that experience does not want to relive it on television. But we did track down a woman and she was brave uh, and she spoke very powerfully about her experience in Melbourne. Uh, and yeah, we, we hope that people watching the documentary will, will connect to it and say, uh, first and foremost, they are like they're my sister, they're my mother, they are me. And if they want to work in the sex work industry, sure, let's make sure their rights are protected. Yeah, is this who we want to be? The documentary is trafficked and you can see it on Stan. And don't forget, if you don't have Stan yet, you can always get that free trial. I think it's seven days. So you can just use that to watch Trafficked and it will be worth it. Thank you so much, Nick McKenzie. Excellent work as always. Thanks for having me. Thank you to our guest today, Nick McKenzie. And don't forget his book, Crossing the Line, about the epic fight to investigate allegations of war crimes against Ben Robert Smith is on sale now. If you need support after listening to this podcast, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or contact 1800 RESPECT on 1800 737 732 or 1800respect.org.au. Indigenous Australians can contact 13 Yarn on 13 92 76 or 13yarn.org.au. Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, Michelle Laurie here, and as promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so you know we love love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.